Okay, good morning, gentlemen. Boker Tov. We are ready to continue right where we left off yesterday, which is in the middle of the instructions of God to Moshe Rabbeinu about the Pesach offering. So actually, there's two parts to the instruction that God gives Moshe. That's why I stopped there. We went a little long yesterday. A lot of details. So the first, what we discussed yesterday was how Hashem was telling Moshe to prepare the Jewish people to bring the Pesach offering on the 14th night, on the 14th day of the month of Nisan. And then that night, they would take the blood of the of the of the carbon Pesach, the, Pas- the Paschal offering. They would put it over the the inside of the door frames. They would eat the Pesach offering in a state of chipazon, with their in a state of hurry, with their shoes on, their belt on, their stick, their stick in their hand, ready to go. And this is our God told the Jewish people about appearing for three days, taking the sheep to prepare for it. The second half of what God tells Moshe, which we're going to discuss now, is the laws of the Pesach for future generations. We're going to soon discover that when Moshe actually repeats these laws to the Jewish people, he decides not to overwhelm them all at once, and he only tells them the laws that are relevant for that year, the bringing of the Pesach offering for that year to go get the sheep and to prepare it for three days, and etc. But the laws of the future does not tell them yet, but God does tell them to Moshe, so that's what we're going to talk about now, today, okay? So, um, if it looks like, whatever, it's verse 14 in chapter 12, that's what we're holding in the middle of the Saliyah, where Hashem says to Moshe that this day, the 15th day of the month of Nisan, will become for you a day of remembrance, a day of a holiday, of a Chag Hashem, of a holiday to Hashem, the Doro Seichem, which means for all future generations, this will be an everlasting statue that your generations will celebrate the holiday of, of Pesach. How? Shivas Yamim, Matzah Sochelu, seven days you shall eat Matzah. However, on the first day of the, of the, on the previous day, on the 14th of Nisan, you should remove any leavening agent, any chametz, and any, or any yeast, or anything which will make the flour rise to become leaven, to become chametz, has to be removed from your house. Whoever does not remove it, the nichrisa, they will be cut off from the Jewish people, they will experience courage, excommunication. So, there's many things I want to explain here. First of all, the Pesach that the Jewish people have been commanded to have in Egypt was not seven days long. People don't realize the Pesach Seder and the laws of Hametz, well, not that, the laws of the Pesach celebration that was told to the Jewish people in Egypt was a one-night Seder. The, the commandment of seven days to celebrate Pesach and to eat matzah and all that is only said in the context of what Hashem is telling Moshe for future, for future generations. Which means that the fact that when the Jews left Egypt the next morning and they ate matzah the next day, the reason why they ate matzah, not because they were commanded to eat matzah, they were only commanded to eat matzah the night before at the Seder. The next day they didn't have time to make new food, so they ate the leftover matzah that was left over from the night before, so that's what they ate. But the mitzvah is only one night. In addition, the prohibition of chametz is only being said now in the context of future generations, which means that that year when the Jews left Egypt, there was no searching the house for chametz, no burning the chametz. There was no prohibition against eating chametz at the original Pesach Seder. There's reasons for this according to Kabbalah, according to Chassidus, but we're not going to go there today. We just want to point out these very important they're, they're, they're not, I don't even call them details. They're like major things. They're very f- big differences between the original Pesach and our Pesach today. Okay? Um, now, I'm also going to say a few more things that are not 
that Rashi explains to us, and you'll see the verses later on. The mitzvah says, Shivas yamim, matzos tochelu, that you should eat matzah for seven days. It's not a commandment. It's just telling you that for seven days is the time of eating matzah. We're going to soon discover that the mitzvah, the obligation of eating matzah is not for seven days. It's only on the first night of Pesach. On the first night of Pesach, whether you like the taste of matzah, you hate the taste of matzah, even if, I'll tell you a personal story, I got braces the day before Pesach because I was in yeshiva. I came home for Pesach and since we did it, I got braces. And to eat the matzah with braces is as painful as a... you got to eat at least one kezayis. And I was crying, literally, eating a kezayis and matzah from the pain. But you have an obligation to eat matzah the first night. After that, you don't have to eat any more matzah. If you don't like matzah, that's fine. Anyway, says the next verse of the Torah. On the first day of the seven days will be a mikra kodesh, which literally means a holy occasion, or literally a calling to holiness. Kara is to call. So it literally means a calling of holiness. Translated here as a holy occasion or a appointed time of holiness. Rashi tells us what's a Mikra Kodesh. A Mikra Kodesh is a time where you call out through sanctifying with food and with drinking and with clothing. Meaning, what makes the day holy? You have a you know, Kiddush with wine, you have a soda, you have a meal, you put on special holiday clothing, and this gives holiness to the day. So on the first day, Mikra Kodesh, Ubayoma Shvi'i. Mikra Kodesh, on the seventh day, will be a time of appointed holiness. On this first day and on this seventh day, you may not do any work on those two days. However, that which needs to be used or done to give food to any soul, any soul means not only the people, but even the animals. That alone may be done for you. He says, for you, it means for you, for your family, for Jews, not for a non-Jew. So here we have some very interesting laws. On Shabbos, you're not allowed to do work, means you're not allowed to do any work, even if it's cooking food for dinner, right? We all know on Shabbos you can't cook, you can't do anything. On the holiday here, the Torah is telling us explicitly that even though it says you cannot do any malacha, any work on the first and seventh day of the holiday, however, the Torah says, Work that is for food, for ochal nefesh, for food, for any soul which would include your animals, that you could do. As long as it's not something that could have been done before, but you didn't do it before. So something which you could have done yesterday, before the Chag, you're not allowed to do on the Chag, unless it won't taste as good. So just for example, even slaughtering an animal. If you slaughter an animal the day before, the meat is not as fresh. Today we have everything refrigerated and frozen, so we don't know the difference. But in those times... They slaughtered an animal, it was fresh. And a day later, the meat is not as fresh. You could do it on the day of the holiday because for the sake of eating an animal. Okay. Um, you also see over here from this verse that the, the holiday where you're not allowed to do work is on the first day and on the seventh day. What about day two, three, four, five, six? That's what we call Chol HaMoed. Now today, Chol HaMoed is shorter because we do the holiday the first and second day and the sixth and seventh day. So we have a shorter Chol HaMoed. But anyway, biblically, only the first day and seventh day is a holiday. You can't do work. The other six days in between, the other five days, sorry, in between, are days of the holiday. But the prohibition of doing work does not apply on those days. Hence, a interesting category of chal hamoid, which is chal, which means mundane, weekday, you're allowed to do work. 
but it's a moed, it's a holiday, combined in one. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Ushmartem es hamatzos. You shall guard the matzos. What does it mean you should guard the matzos? Simply shmur matzos. To guard the matzos should not become wet, it should not become leavened, it should not rise. But not become wet, it shouldn't rise. Meaning you bake it before it has a chance to rise. So you, 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 the flour and water is baked before it has a chance to rise. The reason why we don't let it get wet is because if it gets wet, the, the leavening process could be reignited. Why should you guard the matzos? Because in the very middle of this day, I took the Jewish people out of the out of the land of Egypt, and therefore you need to guard Hayom Hazed this day for all future generations as an eternal statue of the Jewish people. So we have to guard the matzah to make sure that it's not going to become chametz. That's a mitzvah to make sure to guard it. You could also read Ushmartan S Hamitzvos. The word matzah is usually spelled without the letter vav in it. The word matzah is mem tzadik hey. Right? Or if you're spelling in plural, mem tzadik, it could be vav, tough, or just mem tzadik, tough. Not the cholam, the vav. So it has the vav here in this spelling. So it could also mean you should guard the mitzvah. Same spelling. Different vowel, the same letters. You should guard the mitzvah. I mean, when the mitzvah comes to your hand, don't allow it to get leavened. Meaning, don't let it wait. How does flour become chametz? You left it sitting on the table too long. Right? That's what happens. You have the flour in the water and it sat. It wasn't being kneaded. It wasn't being cooked. So to a shemartimus mitzvah, when your mitzvah comes to your hand, jump on it. Don't wait until, you know, uh, okay, tomorrow I'll get a chance to go and I'll do the mitzvah. Comes now, don't let it become chametz. Don't let it become uh, leaven. Jump on the mitzvah, do it immediately. Okay, continuing along. So the next verse tells us, Barishon, on the first day of the holiday, on the 14th day of the month at the evening, meaning really on the night of the 15th, you should eat matzah. See, here it says you should eat matzah until the 21st day of the month in the evening. So here we have the, on the first day of the mitzvah to eat the matzah. Seven days you shall have no leaven to be found in your houses because whoever eats from any leavening agent will be cut off from the community of Israel, whether he is a convert whose family was not part of the Exodus or whether he's a native of the land, meaning he's a regular Jew who was fa- whose ancestors did leave Egypt, regardless, once you become a Jew, you cannot eat, you cannot have any leaven found in your house, and you cannot eat it. Two different prohibitions here. One is not owning it, or not having it in your home, and one is not eating it. Now, we know from experience that we do have chametz in our homes on Pesach. How are they in our homes? We sell it to the non-Jew, right? We put a big uh, piece of uh, silver foil or tape or whatever on the, cab- on the cupboard. So this belongs to the non-Jew. So when it says so that chametz should not be found in your house, what does it mean your house? It means under your control, under your possession. Which means that if there's chametz in your home that does not belong to you, you know, it's technically in the geographical space of your house, but it's not under your domination, your control, it's not considered under your house. But vice versa, if you have chametz, for example, in your office, Let's say you have a desk in your office. Now, the office doesn't belong to you. It belongs to whatever company you work for, right? It belongs to whoever. But you have your own little desk. That's your space. And in your desk, you have a little snack drawer. Like I have in my desk, I have a little drawer with like, you know, snacks and granola bars and rice cakes. So, so you have a little drawer with chametz. Even though it's not in your house, it's in someone else's office building, that would be a prohibition of only chametz in your space because it's in your locker or in your desk in your office. Okay. Then the next verse says, 
you cannot eat any leavening agent. I mean, the last verse just said you can't eat any chametz or anything which is leavened. Here he's saying any leavening agent you cannot eat, which means even if you have chametz mixed into something else. So you're not eating chametz, you're eating, uh, I don't know what, you're eating uh, mashed potatoes. But in the mashed potatoes, a little bit of chametz mixed in, a little bit of flour mixed in, or yeast mixed in, whatever, the mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are obviously not chametz, but since there's some chametz mixed into the mashed potatoes, you cannot eat it. Okay, let's finish off the section. So then Moshe calls to all of the elders of Israel, and he says to them, Mishchu. Mishchu literally means wash your hands or draw yourself away, like remove yourself from the idolatry and take for yourselves uh, sheep for your family that you will slaughter as a Pesach offering. So here he's telling the Jews what he, God had told him. Remember, as I told you, he's going to only say the first part about the laws of the Pesach offering. There's a very interesting explanation from the, from the uh, Arachayim that in this verse, Mishchu, He's telling them another commandment, which is not mentioned explicitly in the Torah, which is to be circumcised. According to the vast majority of authorities, the Jews had to have had a bris before they left Egypt. Now, it does not say explicitly in the Torah. In this part, it does not say anywhere that the Jews were commanded to be circumcised before they had the, circum- before they had the Pesach offering. However, we know that it's forbidden for a non-circumcised person to eat from the Pesach food which means that the Jews had to be circumcised. So there is one answer given by the Ibn Ezra that the Jews in the time of the story of the Exodus were not circumcised. That only happened in the desert. This year, the Torah doesn't say, so it didn't have to happen. But the vast majority of, of, of commentaries do not agree with that premise. And in fact, I believe it's the measure that says that they mixed the blood that they put on the doorpost was a mixture of the blood of the Pesach offering and the blood of the brismila that was mixed together and that's what they put on the doorpost. And in fact, in the Haggadah, when we read in the Haggadah, we say by every bris, by every bris we say, and we say in Haggadah, which means in English, I will say to you, by your bloods, plural, you shall live. is dam is blood singular. Bidamayich is bloods, plural. You will live, let me say it twice. Which is a reference to the two bloods by which we merited to leave Egypt. The blood of the Korban Pesach, the Pesach offering, and the blood of the circumcision that was mixed together. But the Mayechai, by your bloods, you shall live. So if the Jews were circumcised during these 14 days, from when God told them, when Moshe told them on Rosh Chodesh uh, Nisan, until the 10th day of the month when they take the animal, from the 10th day of the month till the 14th when they left, when they had this, they, really those three days, all the Jews have to be circumcised. But it doesn't say it explicitly. So Arachayim says, when God says, when Moshe says, Mishchu, remove yourselves from the idolatry, what's that? Remove yourself? Circumcise yourself. And then, take for yourself a sheep. That's commandment number two for the, for the carbon Pesach. You should then take a hyssop, bundle of hyssop, dip it into the, into the bowl of blood, put it on the two sides of the doorposts and on the lintel on top. And after you put it in, you're in quarantine. No man may leave his house until the morning. And God, and Moshe told the Jews, Hashem and God himself will go over all of the houses of Egypt and will see the blood on the doorpost. Hashem Hashem will jump over the doorways, hence the name Pesach. Pesach from the word Pesach, to jump over. The God will pass over, pass over in English. He will pass over 
the doors of the Jewish people that has the blood inside it, and you will guard this thing because this is what will happen for us to be taken out of uh, Egypt. Well, and then you'll tell your children that this is the carbon paste that Hashem commanded us to to eat when we left Egypt. So then Moshe tells them that they should, when, in the future generations, their children will ask them, when your children will ask you, what is this thing that you are doing? So you'll tell them, this is the Pesach often Hashem told us to, to bring when Hashem passed over the houses of the Jewish people when he killed all the firstborn Egyptian people. And when the nation, and us he saved, and when the nation heard this promise of the future generation that will be celebrating Pesach, the nation, they bowed down and prostrated themselves in thanksgiving to Hashem, but not only the promise of redemption, but also for the promise of the future generations as well that will celebrate the Pesach holiday. Okay.